morning, Hope Church at Mississauga. So good to be here with you. It's our first visit here, and uh, we feel very welcome, very much at home here. Thank you, uh, certainly, brother, for your prayers here today and for praying for us. All those many years ago, as Chris alluded, we did, up until a couple years ago, we lived in Brampton, so uh, not far by, not, not too far away from here. Some of you, I think, live in Brampton as well, wonderful city. Uh, but God in His providence called us down to Niagara, and uh, we have the great privilege of serving at Hope Bible Church Niagara in St. Catharines, and bring you uh, warm greetings from your sister church there in Niagara. Of course, we share the same heritage, both planted uh, by Hope Oakville, and uh, we are uh, just honored, honored to partner together in the gospel, and also excited, very excited to see how God is at work right now in our churches, in our network, in the Great Commission Collective. God is at work. We are excited about that. We are eager to see what's to come, but are so grateful for the fellowship that we share in the Lord. Grateful to, for Chris and the team here, Pastor Ted, of course, a good friend, and his wife, Lindsay. Uh, we're so thankful for them and uh, Ted's leadership here in the church. You have a great senior pastor. Can I just say that? Uh, we love him. He is a great preacher, godly man, good leader. Amen. Yes. Yes. And uh, so, so value his friendship and partnership uh, along with you in the gospel. So thank you again for the warm invitation. Now today, uh, what I want to do is I want to uh, offer you some help. I want to help you with something a lot of Christians find difficult to do, and that is to regularly, consistently be in the Bible. I mean, here we are, uh, the beginning of a new year, the first Sunday of 2024, and at the dawn of a new year, it often beckons us to sort of take stock of things that are vitally important. And one of the things we acknowledge and recognize is important as the followers of Jesus Christ is to be in God's Word. After all, you'll recall that Jesus said that we are to abide in Him. We are to abide in Him, to have a living, vital relationship with the Lord Himself. And, of course, prayer is, is integral to that, and also so is being in the Bible, being in God's Word. But many Christians find it difficult to regularly, faithfully, consistently be in the Bible. The uh, Lifeway Research Group did a survey in Canada of church-going Canadian Christians asking them a few years ago, how often do you read the Bible? And here was what they found. 11% said that they read the Bible daily, 11%. 27% at least once a week, 27% once a month, and 34% said rarely or never. Again, these are, these are church-going Christians. Now, some of the methodology here, the, uh, the, the baseline was a person had to attend church at least once a month. Now, many of you, you're, you're way beyond that, but even still, I stand back and look. So these are professing Christians, church-going Canadians, 11% in God's Word daily. Loved ones, that's not going to get it done. That's a challenge for, and I just wonder, you know, as you hear some of those stats, 11% daily, 27% once a week, 20% once a month, 34% rarely or never, where do you slot in there in that response? What, what is your response to this? Now, a word of warning here, the, the point is not to compare and therefore feel good about ourselves or bad about ourselves. No, the, the point is to unite together on the target to unite together, focusing on the target. The target is abiding in Christ and knowing Him. 
So my question is, what will it take for you, wherever you're out there, to go to the next level? What will it take for you to, to grow in consistently, faithfully being in God's Word? What will it take for you to keep on keeping on in God's Word? Because both things are a challenge. Some are frustrated at their, the struggle. You know, I made this commitment. I got, I got to be in God's Word uh, regularly, consistently. And, and maybe you, you got going and you're feeling good. You're high-fiving yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in God's Word. And then all of a sudden, way leads on the way. And you're like, what happened? Some of you can relate to that. Others of you, you're like, I know, I know I should be in the Bible and I'm getting ready here to feel super guilty this morning. That's not my aim, but you know the frustration of, you know this is good for me. But the battle is spiritual, the battle is real. So how, how do you do it? How do you overcome? How do you stay consistent being in the Bible? Well, I believe the answer to the problem is that what you really need is God-given motivation. God-given motivation. Now, some of that motivation comes from doing what you're doing right now. Being together in worship, together with your church family. It's so encouraging. Don't you just feel spurred on in the Lord when you get together and you sing His praises and you pray together and you're under the teaching of His Word? I mean, that, that is a built-in, baked-in means by which God encourages us and strengthens us. It's also important to gather in your small groups and Bible studies. Connecting, fellowshipping together is an important tool that God uses to encourage us in His Word. And certainly, serving Him is a big way. I mean... I mean, when you start serving the Lord and sharing Jesus with others, you really feel the desperate need. I need, I need to hear from God. I need to be hearing from Him. So, so listen, following Jesus is a means that the Lord uses to encourage us and to move us into His Word. But I think there's, there's another, another vitally important means that God uses to encourage us, to help us to be in the Bible, and that is the Bible itself. God's Word itself. In fact, what I want to show you today is a text of Scripture that gives to us some God-given motivation to be in the Bible, to help us, to strengthen us, to be consistent in the Scripture. And that text is Psalm 19. Psalm 19, and I'd like you to turn there with me if you wouldn't mind. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. It's okay. I just want to move closer to you. I feel like you're far away. I'm going to move a little bit closer here. If, I, uh, if the podium goes over, you know, I went just a little too far. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. And, uh, you know, the, the context of Psalm 19, it's a, it's a powerful text. It's, I got a lot of favorite psalms. This is one of them. Because in Psalm 19, we are, well, well David, he, he wonders, King David wonders at the fact that God speaks to us. I mean, isn't that, a, isn't that a wonder? God speaks to us. He's got things to say. He's got things to show us. For us to know and to understand, he speaks. And David marvels at that. In the first six verses of the psalm, he marvels at how God speaks even silently through the things that he's made. He begins the psalm saying, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. So in the things that God has made, he, he speaks. But he speaks particularly through his word. And in verses 7 to 11, we've got here uh, really a, a portion of this psalm in which David wonders at the fact that God speaks to us specifically through Scripture. And it's going to read these few verses. And you're going to notice there's, there's like six different synonyms for Scripture. See if you can pick them out 
as we, as we go. And uh, maybe, you know what, just before I do that, I'm just going to pray. I want to pray one more time, and I'm not sure if I'm doing something wrong on my microphone here, other than speaking into it. I'm good? Okay. Let me just, I just want to pray one more time here, and um, just ask the Lord to speak to us. So, Father, as we, as we about to read your word, Lord, we would just submit ourselves under your authority. God, you have spoken. Give us ears to hear. Lord, I pray for just the, the strength of your spirit to not only speak the truth, but Lord, that you would apply it to our hearts for our good, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Now, did you notice the synonyms, the different words that are used here? There's poetic variety here. All of these words referencing Scripture. Did you notice, first of all, verse 7, the law of the Lord. And then the testimony of the Lord. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord. The commandment of the Lord. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord. The rules of the Lord. All, it's all talking about the same thing. God's Word. The Word of God revealed to us in Scripture. Now, what I've done here is I've isolated five things. Five motivations for us. Five helps to help us to be in God's Word. Here's the first one. Understand this, we're, we're motivated to be in God's Word by understanding that God's Word is perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. The Word of God, the Scriptures are perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. Notice it says, verse 7, the law of the Lord, that's the Word of God, the law of the Lord is perfect. In other words, it's complete, it lacks nothing, it's, it's sufficient, it's perfect. Like if I was to, to draw you a picture and maybe I add some shapes here and some color here and some lines here and you say, well, stop right there. It's perfect. You mean, you, you mean to say, don't change anything. Don't, don't alter anything. It's just, it looks just right. Now, that, that's a really bad illustration because I can't draw to save my life. But imagine I could. You know, that, that's, don't change anything. That's just the way it should be. That's what the Word of God is. It's, it's perfect. It's, it, it doesn't need any additions or changes to it. It's sufficient all to itself to do what? Perfect for what? Well, it says in the text, the law of the Lord is perfect. Notice, reviving the soul or converting the soul. It's, it's the, the heart's right response to the revealed will of God. God says some things. God speaks truth. He reveals his heart and his mind to us. And the reviving of the soul is the work of God, the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and doing things in us that are so necessary to have happen, to cause us to repent, 
to return, to trust, to believe, to obey. David says, God's word changes you from the inside out. And there's lots of you here today that can testify to that. You've experienced that in your own life, the word of God changing you. You're not the same as you used to be. And why is that? What happened? Well, God has gone to work in you. He's used this tool, his word, to shape you and to change you, to make you into the person that he saved you to be. It's an awesome, awesome thing. God's word is perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. So you say, well, what does God want me to do? Well, he wants to do at least three things in you. First of all, he wants to save you. He wants to save you. 2 Timothy 3.15 says that Scripture is able to make you wise for salvation. The only reason that any of us know who Jesus is or why he came or what he's done is because of the Bible. It's the only reason. The only reason any of us know that Jesus died for our sins or arose from the dead and offers eternal life is because of the Word of God. If it were not for the Word of God, we wouldn't know this. We'd have no knowledge, no understanding of this. Some of you are here today because I think God brought you here today. He wants you to hear this good news, that Christ indeed died for your sins, and he arose from the dead, and he reigns and rules on high, and he offers you today life, life abundantly, life eternally. I declare that to you right now in word. We'll see that depicted before our service concludes today in communion. The Lord, some of you, he's brought you here to hear that good news. If you turn to Jesus and trust in him, you can have your sins forgiven, have a home in heaven, have a purpose in living in Jesus. And God uses his word to do that. If you know the Lord Jesus, you can testify that that's what happened to you. And the stories may be a little bit different, but there's the common thread through all of them. You heard the good news. You heard the message of Scripture about Christ and the cross and the resurrection and life in Him. You heard the Word of God, and He saved you. Isn't this a great book? <laughs> Not only does God want to save you, and that would be enough, He wants to sanctify you. That is, to shape you, to make you more and more like Jesus. Jesus prayed the night before he died in John 17. He said to his father, prayed for his disciples. He prayed, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. What's Jesus praying? Well, he's praying that God would use his word to do what he wants to do in you, that is to sanctify you, to grow you up in Christ, to shape you in the man and the woman that he saved you to be. He also wants to supply you, that is to equip you to serve him. He wants to save you. He wants to sanctify you. He also wants to supply you with what you need to live a fruitful life for him. Again, from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says to his protege, Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Listen, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good Work. You see, God wants to use you for his purposes to have an eternally significant impact in this world, and the tool he uses to equip you for that is the scriptures. A number of years ago, uh, one of our kids, we signed them up for this program called The First Shift. 
And uh, some of you have heard of this program. It's a program, I think Canadian Tire sponsors it, and I'm not sure who else is involved. But anyway, it's basically it's this program that is f- to help young people to be introduced to the game of hockey, to the sport of hockey. And uh, so we signed them up for this program. It's actually pretty amazing for, a, and I don't work for the company or nothing like that. I'm just saying, this is just our own personal experience, that it was a pretty, pretty amazing thing where we, for a, a fairly, all things considered, reasonable fee, he was given six uh, on-ice sessions, but here's the thing that I was blown away by. He was also fully equipped from head to toe with all the hockey equipment he needed, like helmet, shoulder pads, pants, shin guards, skates, like that, the whole, even the stick. I remember watching these people as we went for the registration day, they're like measuring them up and getting them fitted and getting a jersey and everything, make sure the stick was the right height. Incredible that they, they fully equipped him to play the game because as you probably know, without a stick, it's very difficult to play the game of hockey. Without, I mean, you can play without skates. You can, but you're not going to be any good. And your toes are going to get all sliced up. It'll get real messy and ugly. Like you, you need, you got to have skates. You got to have the equipment on. You could go without shin guards until you get slashed and then it's, it's game over. You, 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 know, you need this equipment. With this equipment, you, you got what you need to do what's before you to play this sport. Listen, it's like that with God's word. The equipment comes through the scripture. Too many Christians are trying to live the Christian life without a hockey stick. You can't score a goal without a hockey stick. You want to be fruitful? You want to make your life count for Jesus? Surely you do. Then you need to be in the Bible. This is part of it, gathered together under the teaching of God's Word. This is a significant part of it. This is massively important. But so also is your daily diet, daily consumption of God's Word, because it's a means by which He equips you to serve Him. Loved one, if you're not regularly in God's Word, you are not prepared to serve. Only God's Word can enable you to guide people out of spiritual darkness. That's the mission. How are you and I ever gonna lead anybody out of spiritual darkness? Ever gonna call anyone from death to life? What, were you and I gonna do that? No, we need God's word. He equips us through his word. If we're gonna see our churches strengthened, if we're gonna encourage the weak, if we're gonna pray effectively, if we're gonna minister to the suffering and to the sorrowful, dear Christian, We need God's Word. He wants to save you, sanctify you, supply you. God's Word is perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. So be in it, loved one. Be encouraged in that. That's not the only thing. Not only is God's Word perfect for doing in you what He wants to do, secondly, God's Word is a sure source of wisdom for your life. A sure source of wisdom for your life. Again, in verse 7, it says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, something is sure, it's something that's, that's strong, it's something that will hold, it's, it's steady. You would think of a, a support beam or a, or a pillar, something that's strong and dependable and reliable. That's what God's Word is. It's strong, it's dependable, it's reliable. Well, for what? Well, it says in the text, making wise the simple. I love this because it reminds me that God can make anyone wise. You don't have to be very smart to be wise. 
when you've got the scriptures. Think about that. We often think of wisdom as coming with age, and there's truth in that. I mean, there is something about having days and weeks and years under your belt that can serve you in making you wiser. But I will say this by observation. I know many young people who are far more wise than a lot of old people because they are immersed in the Scriptures. God's Word is able to make even the simplest among us very wise. Why is that? Well, because it's the Word of our all-wise God. Let me ask you, anybody here need wisdom in their life right now? Need wisdom for handling your money? Wisdom for making a big decision? Trying to choose wisdom for your love life? Need some wisdom dealing with that boss that you're dealing with? A difficult neighbor? Some other problem people in your life, in your family, in your home? Anybody need wisdom? Well, all of us need wisdom. And I find sometimes we need wisdom like all of a sudden. I remember one time number of years ago now, our kids were fairly small at the time. We went to a baseball game down at the Rogers Center watching the Blue Jays. We were way up in the 500 level. I don't particularly enjoy sitting in the 500 level. I find I, I feel like I'm in another planet way up there. But anyway, we were there and the tickets were cheap and we were there and we were all having a good time. And uh, even I was having a good time sitting in the nosebleeds. It was great. We had the snacks, the popcorns going, the ice cream's melting, everybody's cheering. We're all having a wonderful time. Except for behind us, there was a bit of a situation developing. And that was uh, a bunch of young people who had been drinking too much. And uh, as the game wore on, they were getting more and more drunk. Now, I, in my past, in some of the, the employment I've had, I've had some experience dealing with uh, people who were intoxicated. And I've learned over the years that uh, it's v- next to impossible to reason with people who are intoxicated. And so talking about, you know, minding your language and minding your demeanor, it's kind of a waste of time. I've grown to realize that. So, but I was looking and the kids and my wife, everybody's sort of oblivious to this. So everybody's having a good time. It, apparently it's only me that's bothered by it. So we'll press on, we'll continue. Well, then all of a sudden, something really weird started to happen that really got to me. The person sitting behind me put their feet on the top of the back of my chair and took their toes and began to slowly and gently rub them up and down my back. (laughs) Now, I didn't receive this very well. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do now? I'll confess to you, I had a few ideas flash through my mind. But as I weighed all of this, I was reminded of a verse of scripture that somebody shared in our small group the night before. The verse was Proverbs 26, verse 4, and this is what it says. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will also be like him. Now that verse came to me in that moment, and I looked down the row, the kids are still totally oblivious. Popcorn's still flying, ice cream's melting, everyone's cheering, everyone's having a great time. It's only me that's having a miserable experience. So what do I do? Well, in that moment, I decided, just put on my big boy pants and sit there and take it. Now, some of you say, well, that's not a very exciting end of the story. I was hoping that 
preacher would have got up and done something a little more exciting? Well, the truth is, is that I honestly thought of that verse. I thought, you know what? If I stand up and turn around, I know where this is going to go, and it's not going to go anywhere good. Because when you answer a fool according to his folly, you also will be like him. We'll just be an idiot and an idiot. And the whole memory of the day will be all about how dad and the drunk guy got into it. And so in that moment, here, here, listen, the Bible came to the rescue. So the kids only know about this because they've heard me tell the story. But they're totally oblivious to it. Sometimes we need wisdom in the moment. But if we're not drawing on the wisdom that comes from God's Word, what are you going to have in that moment? But if you are drawing in God's Word, you see, the wisdom that God supplies for us. By deferring to the opinions of others instead of God's Word, you're effectively saying, you know, these people are really more reliable source of wisdom than God is. By neglecting the Word of God, you're saying, God, I actually don't need your guidance. I'm good. Which, of course, is, is crazy. The world has lost its mind. Where are you going to turn for wisdom? Go to God's Word. It's a sure source of wisdom. When you're in His Word and listening to God's voice, He gives us wisdom that we need for our marriages, for our parenting, for our relationships, for our planning, for our priorities, and more. It's perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. It's a sure source of wisdom for your life. Third, God's Word is a guide to true happiness. It's a guide to true happiness. You notice again, verse 8, it says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. See, there's, there's joy that comes from hearing the Word of God. Everybody's looking for happiness, but lots of people are just looking for it in the wrong places. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Makes me think of this. I mean, how much heartbreak and disappointment and embarrassment has come from going down the path that just seemed good at the time, or going the direction that just felt right to me, or that looked like it was working for others, only to find regret and disappointment and sorrow. But listen, God's Word is a guide to true happiness because it's Him speaking to us, the one who is the ultimate source of happiness. Remember Psalm 1611 says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, full and forever joy from God and the means, the primary means by which he speaks to us is through his word. And so that's why we say God's word is a guide to true happiness. If you want to increase the joy in your life, I'd encourage you, loved one, to increase your Bible intake. Fourth, fourth motivation, God-given help to be in God's word, fourth God's Word is a revealer of reality. A revealer of reality. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It's a revealer of reality. The point here about enlightening the eyes is, listen, God's Word enables us to make sense of life. Your life, my life, the world in which we live. I mean, really, when you think about it, you know, God's Word is the final authority on all the essential questions that we have as human beings. The biggest questions. You know, like our origins. Where, where do we come from? And 
Why are we here? What, what's the meaning of life? Why is there even life at all? And, and, and where are we going? Our sense of destiny. Where, where is this all leading? Where, where is this all taking us? And, and a sense of morality. What's right? What's wrong? All, all, the, all the core fundamental questions that's on the heart and minds of, of every human being, God's Word answers those things with, with authority and, listen, with clarity. There's so much confusion in the world, and everybody's got an opinion. We're just inundated all the time with ideas and concepts and perceptions of what's real, what's right, what's wrong, what's what, what's what. God's Word cuts through it all with clarity and authority from God Himself to help us to see, to make sense of this life, to see clearly. Reminds me of this, this whole enlightening the eyes reminds me of a lake we visit, my family and I have visited now for many years, just up the other side of Bancroft. It's called Bay Lake, and it's a beautiful lake up in cottage country, and we were so blessed to be able to visit there every summer. Some friends of ours own a property there, and one of the many things I love about this lake is it's super clear. Like, you can, you can be out in the paddleboard and look down, and it's, you know, it's, it's maybe 30 feet deep underneath you at certain points, and you can see everything that's down there. You can see the rocks, you can see the, the sticks of wood, you can see the fish, you can see your swimming goggles. It's all down there. You can see it crystal clear. And that's kind of the sense here that the psalmist gives us, that God's Word is like that. You can see clearly. Isn't there a song like that? I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Well, I can see clearly now I've got the word of God, right? That's the idea. God's word is a revealer of reality. Without it, we're left guessing or opining, groping in the dark, as it were. But with it, we have clarity about who we are and why we're here and what life is all about. It's a revealer of reality. Let me ask you, does anybody here today need a dose of reality? You'll get it in God's Word. Shut it off. Shut off the noise and tune out the confusion and read the Bible. It's perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. It's a sure source of wisdom. It's a guide to true happiness. It's a revealer of reality. Fifth, God's Word is always relevant. Always relevant. All the time. I see that in verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Interesting that phrase there, the fear of the Lord. Scripture is described here as the fear of the Lord. I take it to mean it's the, it describes here the effect that God's Word has on a person that it gives to us a, let's call it a healthy fear of God. It brings to us an awareness of who He is, that He is God and, and what He's like. He is holy and He's great and He's awesome. He's majestic. It also helps us to see where we stand in relation to Him. Wonderfully in Jesus, we stand before a holy God forgiven. It's an awesome thing to live and to breathe in the presence of a holy God. God's Word helps us. It, it does something to us. It gives us a healthy fear of God. The fear of the Lord, it says, is clean, enduring forever. If it's clean, it's without contamination, without defect that would make it become obsolete. And therefore, it endures forever. So it, it never needs an update 
or revision. I remember one time I had a meeting with uh, oh, just a, a godly man. He's a, a pastor and an author. He's kind of one of my heroes. And I remember just this really neat opportunity I had just to sit down and have a lengthy sort of one-to-one conversation with him. And in that conversation, I was really struck, one, by his humility, but also something else I didn't really know. He, he had written many years ago, he had written a book on, uh, on church ministry, and um, he told me in this conversation, he said, you know, I've, I've rewritten that book. And I was interested to find out why. The reason he rewritten it is because while much of what he wrote in the first place, he still stands behind, really at the heart of it, he really had come to see that he really was kind of off-center in the, when, when he wrote that first book. And having studied the Scriptures further, came to a point of seeing, you know what, I, I really need to change some of the things, even some of the core things I said in this book. So he totally rewrote the whole thing and republished it. I thought, what a remarkable, I think, great act of humility. Be like, you know, I got some stuff wrong here, and on further review of God's Word, uh, here's instead what I'd say. Now, here's what I'd say to you about the Bible. God never has to do that. He got it right the first time. There's no revised and expanded version. You got the whole thing. It's, it's right here, and it's just as God wants it. And therefore, it's always relevant. The eternal God has spoken and given us his complete word. So in every generation, it never goes out of style. I mean, you might be cleaning out your storage closet in the near future and come across an old booklet, maybe for that VCR you used to have. Remember those? Little cassette. Or maybe that CD player that, you know, you don't need anymore. It's just, you got these, it's, it was useful at the time to help you. Some of you are just like, what, what, is, what are you even talking about? Never, I'm almost out of time. Just never mind. You, you read, if you know what I'm talking about though, you, you, I was handy at, a, at a, the time to know how to work this thing and how to troubleshoot. And everything. But now, I mean, maybe you could sell it on eBay, but more than likely it's good for starting a fire or filling your recycling bin. God's word is never like that. It's always, always relevant. You and I need the relevant word of God. Praise God that he's given us a book we can stand on, we can believe in, we can hear his heart and his mind. It never changes, it's reliable, it's true. So these are all together what I'm calling today God-given helps to be in the Bible like motivations from God himself to read this book. And loved ones, listen, we got, there's no excuses. There's no, let's just call a spade a spade. There has never been a time when it is more readily available to you and to me in this part of the world at this time, never been a time. You don't even have to be able to read to read the Bible. You can listen to it. People read it to you in all kinds of different accents even. There's no excuses. But this today isn't about guilt-tripping you about our excuses. This today is about encouraging you, enticing you along with the carrot. Look, look, look the good this is going to do you. It's perfect for doing in you what God wants to do. It's a, it's a sure source of wisdom. It's a, it's a guide to true happiness. It's a revealer to reality. It's always relevant. Can you see how good this book is? Can you see how blessed your life is and will be? when you commit yourself to it. So, in light of all that, what then should I do? Two things. First, I lovingly, pastorally, wholeheartedly 
plead with you to be in it, to be in the Bible. In some ways, just like you are right now, sitting under the teaching of God's word. What a privilege we are in these days, in this part of the world, to regularly, weekly, freely gather together to sit under the teaching of God's word. And like I said at the outset, you in this church, you got a great preacher. But loved one, what about the rest of the week? This is a treasure trove for you. Loved one, be in the Bible. Notice again what the psalmist says, verse 10, talking about the scriptures. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Like it's, it's of more value than all the money in the world could buy. And notice too, there's sweetness about it. It's, it's like, it's desirable. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. It's, it's pleasurable. It's desirable. Like, like if you get, if, if God by his grace will cultivate in you an appetite for his word, you will, you will want this. Like, like you have a craving for sweet things or maybe you've got a salty mouth sort of like you love chips. Where That's fine. Doritos works too. You know what? At the end of the year, on the end of 2023, December 30th, 2023, it's sad that I know this date, but anyway, December 30th, I had the best thing I ate all of 2023. And the funny thing is, is that before then, I'd never even heard of it. It's this, uh, it's this Dutch treat that's made around New Year's. It's called Ole Bolen. How many of you have ever heard of Ole Bolen? Okay, more of you than I thought. Okay, yes. It's, I think it's what manna tasted like in the Old Testament. I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. But I'm going to tell you, some friends of ours had us over and they made this. If you don't know what it is, it's, think of like, Think of like a homemade apple fritter, like deep fried with like, like batter, but, but like donuty batter and like apple pieces in there. The ones with the raisins, it was awesome. I mean, it was just, it's just how, I think I heard angels singing actually when I was eating. I, I'm not sure, but you take that thing right out of the boiling oil and you, you roll it in icing sugar and then you, you eat it. It's sensational. I love the Netherlands. I never even been there, but I just, I love it. Ole Bolin only tastes good in your mouth. The sweetness of the honey is nothing in the jar on the shelf, but in your mouth when you consume it. Oh, this is good. Lord, I want to encourage you to taste and see the goodness of God that he gives to us in his word. Taste it at church. Taste it in your small group. Taste it in the morning. Taste it on your lunch hour. Taste it in the evening. Feed on it. You should be in it. Secondly, finally, you should respond to it. You should respond to it. Notice in verse 11, after talking about how great the Scriptures are, he says in verse 11, Moreover, by them is your servant warned. Notice, in keeping them there is great reward. What's this telling us? It's telling us that when you apply the scriptures, there's great benefit to your life. Like when you, when you consume God's word and then respond to it by applying it, there's the blessing. There's the joy. There's the encouragement. There's the correction. There's the help. But you must respond to God's word or 
apply God's word. Remember what James said, James 1.22? He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Hearing's very important. You don't know what God wants you to do unless you first hear. But hearing isn't the only thing. Some of us, we get into a pattern of hearing God's word and we're like, yes, yes, thank you, Lord. But, but there's another step still of doing God's word, responding to it. Blessing comes with application. And so, loved ones, I encourage you, I implore you that as you read God's word, respond to it by applying it to your life. You say, well, how do I do that? I find a helpful way for many Christians to apply this by applying God's word is to ask some good questions about the scriptures. In fact, I got some questions I'm going to show you here on the screen here. Uh, We've got here one thing here, and this this could be really rich for you just to ask yourself every time about a text. You read a text of scripture, say, what does this show me about God? Or Daniel Henderson calls it God's praiseworthy attributes. What what does this text show me about God, something about him? Maybe it's his holiness. Maybe it's his grace, his mercy, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness. What what is it that shows his reliability, his trustworthiness? What is it that this this text shows me about God? And praise him for it. Praise and worship. God, I praise you that you're a God. For example, this text, you're a God who speaks. I'm not left guessing about your heart and your mind, but you speak. You speak with clarity and authority, and your spirit applies your word to my heart. I praise you, God, that you're a God who's like that, you see? You respond to it. And then there's some other questions you could ask. We just put them all on the screen there. You could ask, now you're not necessarily going to ask these questions every time, all these questions every time, but certain texts, some of these will, will be really helpful to you. Like maybe you read a passage and you ask yourself, is there a sin for me to confess? Is there an error here that I'm being shown to avoid? Is there a promise for me to believe? Is, is there a command for me to obey? Like sometimes you read the text and it's, it's pretty clear there's something I am to do. Is there an example for me to follow or an example for me to not follow? Right? There's, there's good examples in the Bible. There's lots of bad examples too. Right? They're both instructive for us, showing us the way to go. They're showing us the way to not go. Is there a prayer to pray? Sometimes the prayer is, God, help me understand this text. Is there a reason for thanksgiving, praise, or worship? Is there a need revealed? You know, I had this just, just recently. I remember it stands up in my mind. It wasn't too long ago, just a few days ago. In my God time, reading God's word, and he showed me something that needs to change in my life. Something very specific, very clear. And you say, well, how did it happen? I was reading the Bible, and I realized, you know, this is, this is me. And I won't get into the details of what it was. I don't have time, and it's besides the point. But the point is, is that as I'm reading this, I'm realizing, you know what? There's actually a problem in my life. In fact, it actually is sin. And as I wrestled with it, I, I had to confess. I'm like, Lord, I, I'm in the wrong here. And your word is showing me not only I'm in the wrong, but it's also showing me, it's showing me some of the consequences, the real life costs that this is bringing into my life. So I, I confess that to the Lord and name it for what it is and, and this need revealed, a need to repent of that and a need to pray, Lord, I need your grace to change. I can't do this on my own. So God, help me. That's what happened in that time I was in God's word. That can happen to you too. The Lord will show you something you need. Maybe there's a truth for you to believe, a verity in God's word for you to stand on, to hold to, to be convinced about. Again, 
you're not necessarily going to ask all these questions every time you read the Bible. But questions like this help us to respond to what we're reading, and responding is what we need to do when we hear from the Lord. So, loved one, as we start a new year, let me ask you, will you make God's Word a priority in your life? I would just leave you with this, some very maybe painfully practical helps to say, okay, where do I put my foot now? Where, what, who, how, and why? Rapid fire, you ready? Buckle up, seatbelts on. It's gonna go fast, but this is really important. Where, may I ask you, where are you going to be in the Bible? Think, maybe it's gonna be in your home, a place in your, I got a spot in my house where I go. You, you need to find a place in your life where you can get just a few uninterrupted minutes. In Niagara, we're, we're saying, we encourage each other, we're calling each other for 20 minutes every day in God's Word. It can be more than that, but we're aiming at 20 minutes God's Word every day. Where can you go for 20 minutes to be in God's Word? You say, I'd have to leave my house. Okay, maybe you do got to leave your house. Maybe you got to go sit in your car. Maybe you got to go to coffee shop. I, I don't know. I can't, chew your, I can't chew your food. I can only cut it up for you, okay? You got to think about it. Wh- where am I going to go to be in God's Word? Also, what? What am I going to read? Like, I find it helpful to have a plan that I'm following. It just takes away the time consumption to figure out what am I going to read today. So, and there's, there's a gazillion plans out there. You can, the Bible app's got all kinds, short plans, long plans. You can Google, talk to your friends. But what am I going to read? Where am I going to be in the Bible? What am I going to read when I get in there? Who? Who will you enlist to pray for you? Because the battle's spiritual. And if there's, there's prayer time after the service today, I would say, you know what, what a great prayer request to say, will you pray for me that God would help me to be in his word? How? How will I go about doing this? I think that having something to write with is so key for me because it helps me to take the thoughts that are in my mind that the Lord's showing me and put them on the page. So a pen, a pencil, a crayon, some kind of typing device, whatever, but something to just, what is it the Lord is showing me so I've got it there and I can review that and pray over it. Where, what, who, how with a pen, finally, why? Know your purpose. Know your purpose. What is the purpose? It's not just to check it off saying, I was in the Bible. Yay, I'm a good Christian. No, that's legalism. That's not the point. It's, yes, I'm in the Bible because I love God and I want to know Him. That's what I'm saved for, to be in relationship with Him. And this is part of how I hear from Him. It's His primary way of speaking to me. So the why, remind yourself of the why because I need the Lord. And here He comes and meets me in His Word. You see? So, loved ones, will you be in this book? God help us. Lord, as we look to you, we acknowledge our need is so massive. We need you. We need to hear your voice, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be men and women who are in the scriptures. And that as we are, Lord, we would encounter you and be equipped by you and helped by you and encouraged by you, Lord, we pray. That you would make us effective and fruitful in your service. And God, you'd be magnified. Lord, we love you. You are the treasure. Lord God, give us grace to treasure you by worshiping you over your word. Not only today, but each day you give us life and breath. We ask this in Jesus' name.